Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And today's episode is all about Daniel Brown. We're interviewing him about life as a yogi. He practices yoga and teaches yoga in Chattanooga, Tennessee at Southern Soul, Yoga Landing, and Spinga. He is um, just a person who radiates joy and enthusiasm, typical of a seven, right? And we interview him also about how each of the nine numbers can cultivate more joy in their life. So on this episode, we're going to be focusing on numbers one, two, three, four, five, and six. And next week, we're going to look at how the seven, eight, and nine can have more joy in their life. But we're just so thankful that you've joined us. You're going to love this episode. Daniel's presence is amazing, and it's just such a gift to know him. Daniel, welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. We're so glad you're here. And I just want to say that you're an Enneagram 7 and that your classes are joyful for me. When I go to your class, um, your music is joyful, your smile and presence say Enneagram 7 to me. Um, Even though I'm not wrapped in a hug, I feel wrapped in a hug when I go to your class. So if you haven't checked out Daniel's class and you live here in Chattanooga, you can go to Southern Soul or Yoga Landing, and you'll find him there. And he's just a brilliant teacher. Where else do you teach, Daniel? I teach at Spenga. Um, I am the resident yogi, <laughs> but I also teach a. Um, it's a hybrid workout, so it's spin, strength, and yoga in that yeah. order, twenty minutes of each, so you can get a really well-rounded workout. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Well, we're so glad you're here. And I'm going to let Kat start yeah. us off with some a question. Well, I'm going to second loving your classes. So I practice with you. We teach back to back. And to my benefit, I feel like, because I get to practice with you every Tuesday. And I love your classes as well. You're so creative and so just lovely. And that comes through. Your energy is beautiful. And I just I just love your classes. So I feel like you're so talented. Don't ever stop. That just for what it's worth. But thank you so much. That means a lot. Yeah. I actually um, you were the first class I took out of a hiatus of yoga yeah. post COVID at Southern Soul, and I remember going home and saying to my roommate, "I just had the most challenging but best class I've ever oh. had." Oh. Ever. Oh, She's like, "What?" Fans. I was like, "Yeah." Like her name was Kat. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I then went on another hiatus, so I didn't go for a while. And the next time, with your class yeah. at Yoga Landing, and I remember coming up to you afterwards, I was like, do you teach somewhere else? He was like, yeah, Southern Soul. Yeah. And I definitely yep, I remember remembered your energy. I was yep. like, wow, so I must keep going to Cal. So we were so meant much. to be each other. Absolutely. We were meant to be. <laughs> well, listen, welcome to the podcast. And the podcast is called Enneagram Plus Yoga. But I'm going to start by asking you about yoga. Mm-hmm. Tell us your yoga story. How did you start your yoga practice? How did you become a teacher? Take us back. Tell us everything. So I actually was introduced to yoga in college. And it was as a warm-up for acting classes and dance classes. They would take us through mostly just sun citations, the sun eye sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was how we kind of got into our body, working with the breath, which is really great because knowing where your breath is when you're acting is great. And knowing where your breath is in dance is imperative. Like, you have to choreograph your breath. So it worked really well, um, kind of like warming our brain up and our body up into the more strenuous 
Um, and funnily enough, we would actually use uh, meditation, like visualization, and that's like a tool that I've um, seen used in meditation since then, the visualization mm-hmm. of manifesting the things that you want. But we use it to create a blank slate for our characters. Oh, wow. um, so that's how I've always gone into acting, was like just kind of meditating myself out of myself and into this new being. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of the depth of it for then. And I came back to it uh, late, years later, like in my adult life, I'd been teaching uh, at a competition studio, uh, like competition dancers. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, so out of whack. Dance moms, I know we all know it. (laughs) I need to say no more. My friend was like, okay, we're going to go to hot yoga before your class. Um, And a lot of stuff started happening around that time in my life. So, like, I really went to yoga just as a physical get-out-of-my-mind type thing. And so when I went to, um, I moved to Atlanta from Connecticut um, in 2019. And that was the first thing I did. I went to every single yoga studio because every single yoga studio has a, like, come do this mm-hmm. my amount of days for free or for cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so I did that, and uh, that really, really started me into my yoga practice. Um, and shortly after, I was working at Core Power Yoga in Buckhead, mm-hmm. and one of my um, managers there was like, you should do teacher training. Um, I think that you were, like, in a place in your practice that it would be helpful Mm -hmm. and then in teacher training all the mentors like pulled me aside after class and they're like okay we know you have no intention of teaching no intention of teaching Mm -hmm. uh but we think you should oh wow and I was like okay I'll think about it uh and here we are (laughs) there we are teaching um I think it's like seven to eight classes a week uh so that's it's really nice it's really nice that's great. You're so good at yeah. it. What do you love you. most about teaching? Uh, it is something that I'm really passionate about that helps me feel like seen and present, but also completely removed all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I can feel when the people in the room feel that. And whether I'm practicing with people or facilitating the practice, it's mm-hmm. really nice to be able to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like am overwhelmed with love when I do it Mm -hmm. every single time so it's like if I flubbed words or Mm -hmm. if maybe I didn't feel like I connected as deeply this time as than I did before Mm -hmm. um it's just like the fact that I feel so much love Mm -hmm. when I finish teaching that I just keep doing it oh I love that answer I love that answer oh thank you thank you for sharing that and I think that that's an Enneagram 7, too, that they feel energy, love, passion, like that that would be something that they would feel from teaching. I also want to make the observation that I've seen you, like, when you're teaching or when you're taking a class, riding your bike to the studio, and that that seems very Enneagram 7, too, that you have this love of dance and riding your bike and yoga, and, you know, 7s just have energy for a lot of different types of practices. You know, for me, as a 2, I I walk, I hike, and I do yoga, but you probably have a much longer list than that. Is that right? (laughs) It's very true. I like to be physical and I didn't even realize it was a thing until one of my friends from like long long ago she's like one thing I know I'm gonna do when I see Daniel is go to a workout class and that's a way of us bonding and I noticed that a lot of my friends most of my friends would be like you're the only friend that I know when I visit you we're gonna hike 
We're going to take a yoga class. Yeah. We're going to take yeah. yeah, which is really great. We're a good it. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Well, um, I want to ask you about the Enneagram. So when were you introduced to it? I cannot remember specifically. So, like, in my mind, there's a memory of me on my work computer in Connecticut taking an Enneagram test and being like, haha, yeah, that makes sense. Not yeah. remembering what the number was. Yeah. Um, and I think because I was such a different me then is why I can't even remember what that number was because it probably was inaccurate then. Yeah. Um, and so a friend when I moved here actually was like raving about the Enneagram and how like it's such a four. I'm such a four week <laughs> five. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So she sent me the link to take the Enneagram test. And this time I got a seven. I remembered it. Because it was, like, a really cute, quippy description. It's, like, the sevens love to feel joy, but at the expense of shoving away every other <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And I was, like, ew. <laughs> yeah. So I shut that down. Um, and then I was dating this guy, and he was, like, really, really obsessed with it. And I brought I brought show and tells, guys. Um, yeah, let's see. <laughs> he got me this book, um, the Enneagram type. And so it's, like, a workbook. And every chapter gives you, like, a breakdown of your Enneagram type. Yeah. And then a worksheet afterwards of questions for you to answer. Um, And it's really great. It's by Beth McCord. And it's actually um, through the lens of a very, very Christian woman. So it brings you back to how the Enneagram realigns you with Mm -hmm. God. Um, But I think it's very useful outside of, um, even if you don't resonate with that spirituality type, um, it's really great, and it also ties you into other Enneagram types, so how you work into other Enneagram types positively and negatively, uh, like persons, mm-hmm. but also within yourself, how when you're operating at your highest or lowest, mm-hmm. how that's going to come out in a different Enneagram type, mm-hmm. um, or are you exhibiting a different Enneagram type. So that was really useful, yeah. and that is really what landed me into the Enneagram and shortly afterwards, I actually ran into you in class. Yeah. And um, we were sitting downstairs, and you're like, I have a podcast, Enneagram Plus Yoga. And I was like, what? <laughs> I've just been, like, obsessing over the Enneagram. And so um, it all kind of happened really rapidly, the Enneagram did. I became very obsessed. Um, so maybe about a year, two years, that I've been, like, really kind of studying it and seeing it in myself and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great way to understand ourselves and others, and we can like start to notice how each of the nine types lives in us, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes we can look at our arrows of stress and arrows of health in particular, but all nine types, and it sounds like that book by Beth McCord has been really helpful to you, so, so a little so shout out for this Enneagram journal book, it's called The Seven Enneagram Type by Beth McCord, and I know that they have lots of journals like that for each of the nine types um, by many different authors, so that might be something to check out if you want to do a deeper dive into the Enneagram, but what has it taught you about yourself and others? Um, I know that the Enneagram type is like the one thing, if like you know your Enneagram, Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a zodiac. You ask what a Scorpio, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, a Scorpio can be this. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes they're like this with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's like, the four is this. No. The four handles this this way. The <laughs> four handles this this way. And it's, like, so across the board that, like, as soon as someone tells me they're a four, I get it. Yeah. Um, my Or as soon as someone tells me they're a three, I know. My roommate is a three. 
and I see it in the smallest ways as soon as someone tells me they're <laughs> three. I'm like, yep, you are. Um, and about me, it's taught me what I'm avoiding. Like, yeah. the biggest, because yeah. I know that that is, like, yeah. my thing, that is Enneagram 7's thing, mm-hmm. um, is, like, feeling good to the point of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to sit down all the time I'm like, is this serving you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this productive? Yeah. Or are you avoiding? Yeah. And sometimes I have to be like, yeah, it feels good, but maybe it's not the best option right now. <laughs> yeah. Because I just want to ask, because sevens have such a hard time with feeling pain, is Shavasana a space where you allow yourself to sometimes feel pain, or do you just enter the present moment, or do, what what happens for you in Shavasana? Um, Shavasana, by the time I've gotten there, I have really released. Um, and that is hard for me. Uh-huh. I'm a mover. Uh-huh. Um, so the stillness is hard. Um, but <laughs> I feel pain in the practice. I am a power yogi. <laughs> yeah. So the physical um, discomfort... Um, or a cat holding you in a goddess squat, drawing yeah. tiny, tiny circles with your arms. Mm-hmm. That is where I'm, like, really, really going. But then if, like, you look at my face, it's, like, that's where I'm releasing mm-hmm. some pain. That's where mm-hmm. I'm digging into my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like, breathing through and having, like, my own, like, self-study moment there. Um, so by the time I get to Shavasana, I can really, like come back out and um, I usually take a lot of time after my practice, not immediately, but after every practice I'll take time to kind of look inward because um, there's a lot of stuff I avoid. Even if I've like practiced day to day, there's like stuff I'll overlook, like something someone else will say to me that like I will not acknowledge upset Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. until like I take that post-practice time to be like, okay, that did affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, assess how that can build you. Mm-hmm. How that can be a communication next time. How that doesn't have to continue to be something that hurts you if you don't avoid it. Like, how do you not avoid that? Mm-hmm. Um, yoga is probably the only time that I can fully not avoid. Because mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's a time where you release the pain during the movement and then in Shavasana sometimes you come back to that internal space and mm-hmm. process and, mm-hmm. and feel and um yeah, lots of things happen for you during that mm-hmm. that time. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Beautiful. Of course. I love it. Well, I'm gonna throw out an observation. Um while we're talking, and I've taken Danielle's class, you have the loveliest voice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these listeners, I don't even know if they're like, like a foreign language person would be like, I just want to hear you talk. <laughs> you have the loveliest voice. So that's not here nor there. But let me tell you something about seven. So I feel deeply connected to seven for several reasons. I'm a one. Mm-hmm. So at my best self, I take the best qualities of a seven. I'm also married to a seven. And Christy and I have had a conversation before. We're always kind of like, if you could be another number, what number would you be? I would be a seven. Like, hands down, totally. Mm-hmm. I could gush on sevens all day, every day. 
tell me if there's ever been a compliment, your maybe favorite compliment that you've ever received from somebody that relates to you being in your gram seven. Yes, it took me a hot minute thinking on this, so I'm glad yeah. I actually came <laughs> with my little tablet. Um, I got the compliment that a song, every time someone heard it, it reminded them of me. Oh. And it was called Shine by Jason Mraz, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite, favorite songs. And it's about our um, sunlight and moonlight. I'm just going to read you the opening of the yeah. song. Um, Once upon a time, there was a meeting of minds. The sun and the moon made a deal with the sky. One would take the morning, the other the night. Together, they would blanket the world with light. But the moon had a shadow. He felt like a liar. The sun was the only one that carried the fire. The sun saw this. She kept on glowing. Bound to the moon, never saying you owe me. She said, I'm going to shine on you. I will shine on you. And it was my roommate. And she was like, you are the sun. I'm tearing up. You are the sun. You will just shine. And there is nothing that, like... You don't ask for anything. You yeah. Because I just want everyone else to feel that. Um, and there's a song that's like super, super upbeat and bubbly and it's called Everything Is Music. The first time I heard that song, I looked over and I was like, Haha, I want people to feel like this song makes me feel. She was like, yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> you are radiant. Yeah. You do have you a light. You do I agree. shine. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is two questions in one. So if you had a mission statement for your life, what would it be, and how is your mission statement connected to your personality type and yoga? Yes. So <laughs> I wrote down this is going to be a long-winded answer. Yes. But all of my answers have been so long-winded. Um, second show and tell. This is the notebook. Oh my god, I love <laughs> second show and tell. Yes. <laughs> this is the notebook that I kept all of my notes and journals in for teacher training. Oh. And eight days before we graduated teacher training, they told us. Um, what their mission was uh, as an organization, and they asked us to create mission statements for what we would be as business people, how we were as yoga teachers, and how that would radiate into our lives. Mm-hmm. So they gave us like two minutes to write a paragraph. They're like, okay, now circle the sentence that stands out the most. And I was like, okay. And they're like, turn that into a statement. That's your mission statement. Turn into a, I teach, I inspire, I encourage. Mm-hmm. And I came with, I inspire love and light. Mm-hmm. And um, my mentor immediately was like, yeah, that feels appropriate. And it's never changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that deeply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is like what I want to do. My life's mission, my yoga mission, even as a fitness instructor beyond yoga. Like mm-hmm. I want... A person to no matter what that practice that workout felt like to feel love to feel mm-hmm. lighter mm-hmm. to be happy that they walked in and made that decision for themselves um whether it be a decision a conversation with me mm-hmm. or a cocktail with me when i'm bartending or a yoga class with me mm-hmm. i want them to feel better yeah. <laughs> after that yeah. interaction you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You do have just this spiritual quality about you where there's an energy around you and, and you are offering love and light. I know I've already said that, but I want to say that again. And it's 
it's too bad that through technology you lose that. Like our listeners aren't able to feel that, but so I want to say that so they can know that about you. I agree. I think you being a seven, and I've said it before, it's like being next to y'all, like stepping into sunlight. Like mm-hmm. you were in the shadow, stepping truly, and it's it feels that way. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're gonna talk about joy today. Mm-hmm. Um, because sevens are great at joy and I thought it might be fun for the three of us to just meditate on one way that each Enneagram type might experience more joy and happiness in their life and we don't know one another's answers like Mm -hmm. we've thought about this question ahead of time Um, and so some of our questions may overlap and they may not Um, but Kat do you want to start us out with a type one and how they might experience more joy so I think type one um, tends to take life a little too serious and be a little too responsible and a little too, I don't know, stick up the butt some. (laughs) You know, so just to relax and be more spontaneous, I think would invite more joy into one's life. Just shed, you don't have to, you know, shed it completely, but perhaps set it to the side and, you know, go to a comedy show or watch a funny movie or do something that's not planned, that's not so methodical. Yeah. And if, me being a one, I always find myself being surprised. Like, this was great. I don't yeah. know why I don't do it more often. Yeah. I know why, because I'm a one. But when I do, it's it brings a lot of joy to me. Love that. Mm-hmm. Daniel, what are your thoughts? I, um, I'm going to open this because I looked at the um, core um, longings of each of the Enneagram types and mm-hmm. kind of came up with this list. Um, and the core longing of the one is you are good. Yeah. And so um, I said take time to remember something that someone has said to you yeah. to let you know that you're impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, just like as a reminder that like you are good. Yeah. Um, to find uh, maybe joy in like a, like a smaller kind of a, bring a smile to your face real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a reminder that that has physically been relayed to you, yeah. that you are. Yeah, that would feel good. Mm-hmm. I love that, remembering a compliment or mm-hmm. really receiving one. To... And you know, and when I have heard it, it really does impact me and I carry it with me. Like mm-hmm. somebody just randomly come in and saying, you said something and it really resonated or I was going through this and you have really helped me. And it matters so much, not because, you know, tell me more how good I am, but kind of like it just feels so good mm-hmm. to hear that, you know, you did something good. So, yeah, spot on. Love that. Um, so when I was 15, I felt a call to ministry mm-hmm. and I ended up working as a minister, chaplain, I've done many things in ministry, but because of that, you know, I learned a lot of scripture, and one of the scriptures I learned was, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I felt so liberated, because I do have a one wing. When I went to seminary, yeah, strong (laughs) one wing, I felt so liberated when I was in a class in seminary, And they said that that word perfect, I can't actually remember what the Greek is. I think it's like teleos or something. But that word actually does not mean perfect. It means whole or complete. That changes everything. Mm -hmm. Be complete 
be whole mm-hmm. as your heavenly Father is whole, mm-hmm. then it's not about like all these external things of being perfect and doing good and having your your house space so clean, but it's about like something more internal. Mm-hmm. It's about like your mind, body, and spirit becoming whole. That's very different. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that would be a really important word mm-hmm. for a one is that we're seeking wholeness mm-hmm. and not perfection. Mm-hmm. And so I want to offer I get that. emotional <laughs> yeah. listening to you talking about it. Yeah. yeah, it really does hit in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am still working on that one, wholeness and not perfection. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I needed to hear that then, and I still need to hear that. So... Um, our twos, do you want to start us, Daniel? Sure. So um, I see here that the core longing for two is you are wanted and loved. Um, and so I said, like, quality time, hikes, a wine night, or even a f- random phone call to mm-hmm. someone you love. Um, because just asking someone to hang out, a random phone call with someone picks up is just like, I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't yeah. feel good? But even for two... Um, who needs that validation that they are loved, that they are wanted, mm-hmm. spending that time with others mm-hmm. um, that they love is a really present reminder, um, really fulfilling. Yeah. Mm, I agree. Love that. Well, I can um, pick it up on a two. So um, for, you know, just real life story. So my oldest has had a really hard time here lately and I came in for an interview and Christy said she has a gift for my oldest one and it was just something for her to help her work through whatever hardships that she's gonna I'm gonna try not to cry telling this story Mm -hmm. and it was so unexpected and so thoughtful and so out of the way that Mm -hmm. like it touched me because you have heard that my kid was having a hard time like and you thought to go and and pick this just the right thing. So it really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. But in terms of bringing more joy to two, I would say twos out of all the numbers go more out of their way to help somebody and love somebody. Um, do that for you. Mm-hmm. Go out of your way for you. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. what I would think. You know, what you would do for someone just just reverse it and and do that be that extra for you yeah i like that be that extra yeah yeah that's what i have to keep working on (laughs) i would say too for it too um they get attached we get attached to this idea of being the helper and the giver we almost get attached to like a saintly image Mm -hmm. of like i'm the good person i'm the i'm the helper i'm the giver you know what be yourself and go have fun and go take care of yourself and don't get attached to this image of being trying to be the saint of the community you know that you you get to be you and that means you get to be silly and you get to just you know display all parts of yourself and not just like this this you know angelic Mm-hmm. sort of saintly yeah. image does that make yeah, sense it I does. think twos will have a lot more joy um I know also for myself like when I've started to I've, I've developed a practice of writing and when I'm really honest about my mistakes mm-hmm. you know in that writing it just feels more authentic mm-hmm. you know I think we were talking about Brene Brown and I think she's given a lot of us permission to like share our shame and to share our shadow side 
And I think when a two can do that, instead of trying to like project this image of, you know, I'm this helper saintly type, Mm -hmm. I think they get to be more real. And I think that attracts other people to them more. So, um, I would just offer that. That's what I'm working on for myself. (laughs) So our threes, who wants to, I can start on the three. So here's what, one of the reasons I love a three and, I don't have it in me. Christy has a lot of it, but threes, I think, encompass it, um, motivating somebody. So mm-hmm. if somebody has a goal, not only are three self-motivated and they would just drive it to the goal, they actually can help somebody else to say, you can do it and I will help you. Mm-hmm. And I think for a three to uh, embrace that and do more of it and maybe not even... Just motivate somebody, but see it through to the end so they can witness that person that they helped and motivated to reach their goal and share that joy and happiness with them. I think that would be very joyful for a three. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think? I know my roommate's a three. (laughs) Um, So I know threes very well, very um, driven just because they don't want to... The imposter syndrome yeah. feels very external. Like, yeah. everyone is mm-hmm. speaking that to them. Um, so I literally wrote in all caps, stop thinking. Just be for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You'll immediately see how amazing you are to everyone. Yeah. That you're probably telling you directly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just being present in the moment and, like, letting it go not thinking so much about like working so hard mm-hmm. um there's probably a world that you've built around yourself that exists mm-hmm. that you can feel joy in mm-hmm. um you can stop working for a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's again I, I knew some of our answers would overlap but i thought of one of the teachers that i've enjoyed um madia has this simple little mantra that she often interweaves in her classes and it's inhale just exhale this and I think that like we all need that like all of us need to slow down but threes like you said in particular are so driven and they need they need that inhale just exhale this they need yoga and sometimes they need the slower yoga classes but they want to go to the power classes <laughs> and so I would say if you're a yogi and you're a three like try out uh, a yin class every once in a while like you can go to power you can go to Kat's you know more powerful mm-hmm. class and you can go to Daniel's powerful class but try some of the yin classes too mm-hmm. you know go see Anthony Prince or somebody who can slow mm-hmm. you down a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. um so that would be my offering all right uh number four yeah let's who wants to start so it's probably not going to be a very popular answer and I I've said it on this podcast before and I'm going to say that this applies probably to every human being with a laptop or a phone but i think four would feel more joyful if they rested from social media Mm -hmm. and you know because the comparison is really Mm -hmm. prevalent for them the grass is over you know always green or somewhere else is prevalent for them and i think social media just exacerbates this this 
idea that is not realistic that everybody's just having more fun and living their better life mm-hmm. and you know except for me so for four i would say just you know maybe do like a social media fasting maybe you know don't look at the at the facebook or or instagram after 3 p.m so you can clear your mind and really enjoy life and you know have a better rest i don't know but that's my offering for a four now you take it or not that's up to you but that's you i know. love it i think that's spot on i actually said the same <laughs> right i mean it's yeah, a devil sometimes yeah. um and their core longing is to feel um to be unique and that their yeah. uniqueness is uh welcome and yeah. accepted uh and it's so easy to be like oh no there's like so many other people with my uniqueness um am i doing it up enough or am i you know uh so kind of unplugging and recentering into like you and like the strength of you and the beauty of you is really helpful and i think must be frequent (laughs) Mm -hmm. or else you kind of get lost Well said. I think, um, in my opinion, one way that fours um, run away from joy is um, sabotaging jobs, relationships through this idea um, that whatever job they're in isn't enough Mm -hmm. um, or whatever relationship they're in isn't enough. And so I think that like gratitude and seeing the good Mm -hmm. um, in what they have is a practice that can really move them towards joy. Um, because I, I really, I have a friend that I'm thinking of. I love him. He's one of my favorite people. But I do think he sabotages relationships um, because he's always thinking about what might be better. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that fours need to be careful of that. So that's mm-hmm. my offering for my dear force. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. All mm-hmm. right, on to five. Christy, kick it. You yeah. Kick it off. I mean, I think go to the party that, that mm-hmm. you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't want to go out. I'm so comfortable. I'm reading this book. You know, I'm doing this research on the Internet. I'm playing this video game. I'm, you know, they're very comfortable in their sort of space at home doing something that, you know, lights them up, lights their mind up. But I think they need connection to others. And I think that just really brings a lot of joy. Um, in the Book of Joy by the Arch- Archbishop Desmond Tutu, mm-hmm. who recently died, yeah. and the Dalai Lama, um, I can't remember which one of them talks about it, but they talk about how people in solitary confinement you know, start to really diminish yeah. and shrivel up because they're not around other people. And I think that that can happen to all of us, but fives in particular. Yeah. Because I think they're so prone to like just using their internal resources and and staying in their mind instead of going out and connecting in the world. I think we thrive through being together. I mean, we saw that with the pandemic, right? We saw how we shriveled, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think that that's really true. And so one pathway to joy is connection. So go to the party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, uh, say what you need out loud. Um, because they're very like, uh, capable people. Yeah. <laughs> they like can do the thing. Yeah. They're very, um, I can't think of the word for it, but I would just say that like being able to delegate, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. so that you can kind of like not always have to be the one doing the yeah. thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, absolutely. It would bring absolutely. some joy to a five for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think that need word is important too because fives, just like twos, can minimize like what they need. Like mm-hmm. they might not go get the nice sort of outfit for themselves because, you know, they're just more staying in, in their mind and not as concerned with the aesthetics sure. and things that yeah, they might absolutely. need. And I think to buy the thing they need would be good. Yeah, and their core longing is um, your needs are not a problem. Yeah. So even just like... Yeah being able to put that on someone else and not put it on someone else in like a burdensome way, but like even the relief of being like, oh, this is a need for me. Uh, could be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I agree. So I will second both of you. So for five, I think, you know, we talk a lot about going inward. I think a five will find more joy going outward and mm-hmm. literally opening up to the external world around them. But I would take it even further. So, you know, we're, as humans, we're communal beings. It's just how we're made. Those humans mm-hmm. are not designed by the design to live alone and thrive. So you have mm-hmm. to, you know, surround yourself uh, with with people. But I also would take it even, you know, I like the, the, the stupid suggestion. So, like, have a stupid conversation about, like, not smart things. And yeah. I always say, like, talk about farts, you know, or talk about, I don't know, just something silly, yeah. something that doesn't have to be researched or you don't have to be well-informed. Just shoot the breeze. Yeah. And recognize that there's joy in just, just, just silly conversation that doesn't have to be so deep. Yeah. And so intense and yeah. so well prepared for just kind of shoot the breeze and see if that brings you joy. I love that because underneath their sort of dissertation yeah. style, st- style talking is that fear of incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, if they can embrace like, hey, I don't have to prove my confidence. Yeah. No. I can just like no. have fun. Right. I yep. love that. Just so you know, that was just part one of our interview with Daniel Brown. So next week, we will be releasing part two with him. So stay tuned for that. Also, after this word from our sponsor, there will be a short meditation, and we hope you'll join us for that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For our meditation today, I'm going to pair breath with a reading from Father Thomas Keating. This is often called the welcoming prayer. And so if you'll begin with a breath in and a breath out, finding your inhale, finding your exhale, settling into the rhythm of the breath and continue to breathe as you hear these words. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, 
feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Namaste, friends.